Okay. Welcome to Therapize Podcast. This is your host, Guy Hernandez. And today we have two very special guests, my two very dear friends from grad school who went through the program together and became therapists together, Sandy Kong and Stephanie Kaufman. Sandy has extensive work with substance abuse as well as grief. So very important work that she's done in our community over the last several years. And Stephanie has also done very important uh, community-based work where she's worked in-home, I believe, with families and helping them overcome traumas and helping parents help their children develop new behavioral skills so they can flourish in their lives. Also, Stephanie has just written a children's book, and it's called What a Feeling. And it's the basis of helping children understand their feelings but also how their body responds to it and it's a very relatable book and we look forward to its release i want to buy the first copy and have it signed um so look for that uh we'll put that out on the website and social media i'll keep advertising that so for any listeners that have kids it'll be a great resource to talk to your kids about their feelings not just what they think in their head but also what they feel in their body and how it may affect their behavior and how you as a parent may understand their behavior. Also, Stephanie has a website called Padres Practicos, and that is short tutorial videos with tips and parenting strategies to help parents, um, yeah, create some help create behavioral change with their children. Well, anyways, without further ado, this is a very genuine conversation between very good friends and hopefully you have a takeaway about how you can think about your own mental health all right enjoy the show Therapize podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for uh, sitting down and uh, putting putting the headphones in and getting on the mic. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna hear this intro, but we have Sandy. So at least say hello, Sandy, so they can recognize whose voice is whose. Hello. So that's Sandy. Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I think something I've always been curious about as we've gotten older and further into our careers is the difference of our careers uh, because I've been in the same job five years at this point and every listener at this point knows my background I think mm-hmm. right of how much I work with teens and like the whole tech addiction thing and then have just recently started working with adults so I'm curious and either you can jump in I know Sandy you've had like a lot of different experiences but you're Stephanie jumping in different experiences but like yeah like jumping in as like what is kind of your breadth of work um and yeah what it like what's been intriguing about that do you want to go first first. i can go first um so i have a lot of experience working with adults mainly adults and substance abuse trauma grief loss yeah yeah that's pretty much it and stuff yeah i would say um the majority has been with families with children under the age of five uh-huh. and 
mostly Spanish-speaking families. Um, and usually there is some sort of trauma in the family mm-hmm. that either the child has directly experienced or that the child is being affected by either, maybe transgenerationally. What I, I think what I've been curious about for both of you, and maybe not necessarily with substance abuse when we talked about because I think the goal is like sobriety usually. Mm-hmm. But in what you're saying, but also in terms of the grief, is like, what is then the goal? Because for me, I had very clear, like there was a very clear outcome that people wanted of us, right? Like this, this teenager would reduce this behavior or this teenager would return to school and that's still a lot of what I've worked on. But with like grief, it's like, what is the goal of that? Or in that zero to five, if this mm-hmm. kid is already, what I could kind of imply, but yeah, I'm curious, like what is it then that you're working on? It's a good question. I think that's a really great question. I think that's one of the most toughest thing about grief is that, um, everybody goes through it mm-hmm. and it's not something you can fix change or make go away mm-hmm. so the whole purpose is how do i learn how to manage tolerate and navigate through the complicated negative emotions of grief right um yeah i think that is pretty much the goal it's to help facilitate a really he- healthy mourning process and prevent complicated grief or trauma mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it looks differently with every person mm-hmm. right yeah it's the same goal with every person, but it looks completely different with every person. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, um, I would say the main goal is like, I want to say integration. Okay. Mm. What I does feel, that mean? I feel like it's integrating the experience that you went through and having having it not disrupt your life in, okay. in the current moment. Um, so like, I look at it as like, you're able to understand what happened to you, reflect on what happened to you, have a, a solid narrative of what happened to you. Like, you understand the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of, like, understand it and process it in a way where, like, you're able to live with that and not have it disrupt your your life. And this, this is the work you're doing then with the parents. And the kid. That's five and under. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. How? Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm really curious about, too, because uh, I... I've always been like reliant on really process oriented work mm-hmm. and like n- not as strong with younger kids yeah. where maybe more play is involved or creative what creative means to getting them to understand what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. So what does the what does it look like between working with a parent and having them create that narrative and then the the, the, the that young child? Yeah. Interestingly enough, a lot of times there's like a really big discrepancy between what the kid knows and what the parents think the kid knows or mm. are willing to tell the kid. Oh, okay. And so a lot of time there's a lot of gaps there mm. where children are very quick to kind of fill in with their imaginations. And a lot of times those things that they fill in can even be even worse than the things that oh. are the truth. Um, kids overhear things. Kids perceive things. Kids... Kids understand that there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Or even they even know exactly what it is that happened. But they learn really quickly that like they can't mention it or mommy or daddy will get upset. Mm. Um, so there's like not an open dialogue. They're not able to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so they might have a question of like, where did daddy go? Why yeah. did daddy all of a sudden just disappear? Like, why isn't daddy at the house anymore? Mm-hmm. And mommy will answer like, he's working. Yeah. He's working. Um, daddy's not working. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they think that that's a good answer and that that'll be fine. And it's easier to say that than to tell the child that, for example, dad went to jail Mm -hmm. or, you know, 
dad moved out yeah, or yeah, yeah. whatever the whatever the answer sure. is um they think that they're protected it comes from a good place right, right. they're protecting the child from the truth mm-hmm. but then the that re- actually does harm it does harm mm-hmm. and then the narrative doesn't make sense because okay he's working but then he's never coming and then mm-hmm. mommy's sad all of a sudden and older sister is sad the evidence doesn't align with the story it doesn't align with the right. story it's yeah. not integrated yeah. that's parallel with grief too when yeah. I work with kids it's like we really want to use concrete words mm-hmm. like daddy died uh-huh. yeah he's dead mm-hmm. and really trying to explain sort of he passed away mm-hmm. or he's what sleeping does that mean, right? yeah what does that, what does that mean yeah. or he's in heaven and yeah. kids don't have concepts of mm-hmm. heaven mm-hmm. you know or mm-hmm. orny yeah yeah mm-hmm. that, that makes me think of something in terms of like the difference in religion but i'm also and i want to come to that too mm-hmm. um of like how you work with that but i'm still curious too then when you're talking about there's a disruption mm-hmm. what is the disruption or like I'm sure there's varied ways that you've seen these disruptions and then how did you go from disruption to no longer disrupt it right how did you go from not integrated to integrated with these families because you did a long time right yeah, yeah. so um, so first off a, a big part of it is just identifying what it is that mm-hmm. the child's affected by because sometimes the kids aren't even super aware right um, and then you have to notice what it is either through play or through kind of thinking about the child's history what they could have been exposed to mm-hmm. and then think because how do you know that a child's being affected by something like this right how did they get referred how did they get referred right yeah what did they get referred for yeah so is it for just sorry go ahead <laughs> no you can ask yeah well then I'm curious is are they getting referred because like they go, this incident happened, we need to now refer this child before they display anything? Or is it they're seeing a difference in the, the child's behavior and they go, let's now refer this? Definitely both. Okay. The lucky ones are the ones who get referred because we know Early. what the incident was. Right, okay. Um, but sometimes you just have a child who is acting out in school, mm. um, unable to pay attention, or hitting other kids, they're aggressive. Right. Um, fighting with their sibling, um, but like in a way that's like really not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, just something that's, you know, a pediatrician, a preschool teacher, a, a parent. Yeah. It's like, I can't handle what's happening here. And then we want to come in and think about, like, what is the cause of that behavior? When did it start? Mm-hmm. Um, was it because of a moment of some transition or some sort of traumatic event? Um, which could be grandma died. Right. Or it could be we moved and he had to say goodbye to all of his friends. Mm. Or it could be something even more severe. Right. Or maybe there was domestic violence happening in the house and the child was sleeping but really they were Mm, hearing everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which happens so much you know we think oh the kid went to bed and now me and we are fighting yeah yeah. he doesn't hear or they're too young to remember yeah yeah like that i hear that a lot Mm -hmm. and like oh yeah yeah he was so young he doesn't remember he doesn't yeah but yeah. they know what's going on. Yeah. They do. And even if they don't remember exactly what it mm. is, it's affecting them. Yeah. It's affecting their body. It's affecting right. their emotions. They feel their it. Their stress response they feel is it. going stress, off. Right? Exactly. Yes. They may exactly. not even have memories of it or know what's going on, but they feel the animosity or hostility, the yeah. tension in the home. Yeah. And it messes with their ability to know what a normal environment looks like and what a normal relationship or a healthy, I don't know about mm-hmm. normal, but a healthy relationship Right, so maybe people in their house don't talk to each other. Uh-huh. People come home after work and they're on their different devices and no one's actually communicating. Maybe dinner is a little bit tense or mm-hmm. hostile. Um, you know, it's kind of like, how was your day? Good, and no one's really talking or having fun with each other. 
and I think that's a really good point too because that that idea of integration is that like we get through that through communicating right even if we're communicating our story or communicating our story with the family mm -hmm. because if not then we're just left to interpret things off assumptions right exactly. so we're just kind of picking apart clues based on our emotional state mm -hmm. and then developing the story exactly and that story often can be flawed yep and then if we take that flawed story as our new operating system or blueprint of how then we then approach life or relationships exactly it's got a lot of holes in it now yep so then the idea of integration is starting to like understand what I went through, why I feel this way, mm -hmm. because of these things happening, and then we can then gain control and power over it now, right? Yep. Fill in the gap. Right. So then I'm really curious is the work I've done with parents, and when I talk to them, and where I've noticed my own growth, when I, because I'm working with the teenagers or even younger kids, is that now I'm able to talk to the parents and say, that the change is going to come through them, right? That I don't really expect the children to change. I expect the parents to change. That opens mm -hmm. the space up for the child to make new choices. Mm -hmm. And then that's where change will start to happen and develop, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm running with that assumption here, right? Yeah. Is that there's, for you, your work was in some sort of change with the parent. Mm -hmm. And probably, you know, obviously some work with the kid as well. And maybe I'm completely off here. But I am curious about what was that change in that parent? Was there a change in that parent that you noticed when th when treatment went successful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, when it was successful. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it takes buy-in um, and just, first off, the parent being open to a yeah. child, remembering something or having been affected by something. Um, it's really hard sometimes for a parent to well, first off, it doesn't feel good for them to to say, like, my child was affected by my husband and I fighting. Mm -hmm. They don't want... That doesn't feel good. Right. Um, so even just kind of saying, okay, there's a possibility that my child could have been affected by something that I did or that happened mm -hmm. that maybe I didn't... I mean, I, I didn't protect them well enough from that, which yeah. doesn't feel good to say either. For sure. But, you but know, but things happen in Parental life. guilt. Yeah. Parental guilt, yep. yeah. And it, it's not... it. Parents always come from a good place. They always want to protect their kids mm. and do right by their kids. Um, but sometimes kids just get exposed to things, and yeah. that's just life. Um, and then I would say, like, just buy into the process of of being there, observing their child, mm -hmm. um, noticing when, through play, the child is showing us that something is bothering them, mm -hmm. which is how they communicate. So they'll 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 do it through through dolls or through some sort of interaction with us, with the parent or with the therapist or mm -hmm. with the sibling in the therapy room. Um, they'll act something out. They'll respond in a way where you say, huh, I wonder where that response came from. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, maybe that's something that they were heard somewhere else. Or or you'll be playing some game and something will come out. You know, right. And if you know their history, the child's history, because you did like a, a really thorough assessment yeah. in history, you can kind of guess where things might have come from. Right. And you can just ask, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's really important for parents to know that they have the biggest influence to elicit change in their children, right? That um, a lot of times parents don't feel like they have the power to change their kids, but they actually do. The mm -hmm. biggest influence is, is the parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kids will definitely want to be different if if the parents hold that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of... And I think a lot of parents feel powerless. Like, I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do. It's like, actually, the power is all within you. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that big part of it, too, is addressing the parental guilt, right? Because when I've done some guilt work, it's kind of acknowledging that that the hard part about it is that you feel badly about the thing you can't undo. Mm-hmm. Like you, and that's where the guilt comes from, right? Because something has happened yeah. and there's a change now and intentional or not, if my kid was affected by this, whom I love very much, yeah. to acknowledge it, that, that that's too big a pain maybe. Yeah. And to say, hey, this wasn't intentional. These things, they, they, they do happen. And we're not blaming you for this. Yeah. And we also believe you have the power to help facilitate actually for your child to heal. Yeah. So yeah. if you can, I like, can reframe it that way. But I think this is a big part is that like I can't take it back, and that's hard for some people it to is sit hard. with. It is and hard. like you're right, and that sucks. It sucks to be in that place mm-hmm. um, because I think most of us, when we've hurt people unintentionally, um, we would do anything to take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows us the opportunity then to go, okay, then how do we heal from here on then? Yeah. yeah I think we live um, in a society where we're not really taught to learn how to have self-compassion, mm-hmm. self-understanding, mm-hmm. self-forgiveness. Yeah. You we want to be perfect. We yeah, want to do perfect. things right. But we are flawed and perfect human beings and that is okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no one perfect here. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Mm-hmm. There's no rule book to this thing called life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we make mistakes all the time for yeah. sure and i think really learning and teaching people kids adults everybody to have self-compassion yeah yeah and it's good for your kids to see you make mistakes for it sure is. it's really, really good. healthy you know it's, it's good to be able to say you know you heard this you saw this and i really wanted to protect you and keep you safe mm-hmm. and it happened and i'm here for you and i want to help you and i'm going to keep you safe Mm-hmm. Every day, and and I made a mistake, and I'm gonna work on getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really yeah. accepting our flaws and imperfections instead of trying to be perfect. I think that's also one of the biggest things that we all go through is when we realize our parents aren't these superheroes, mm-hmm. these perfect superheroes. Sure. Yeah, that they're just regular human beings, just like trying us, trying to figure it out, trying yeah. to figure it yeah. out like us. Sure. That is the hugest reality, like a slap of reality that we all grow into and have mm-hmm. to adapt to. Right. Yeah. You know, is this perfectionistic way of being that's false. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Yeah. And it's not real. Yeah. That's when the shame comes in. Yeah. And I think for our part too, when we've done parent work is when we talk about the guilt is having the parent feel safe to fail. Mm-hmm. and then them being able also to show that to the kids too that it is safe to fail it's, yeah. okay. it's okay right like these things aren't perfect and it's okay and we can make mistakes right but that could be scary for some people right because depending on the context and how they grew up mm-hmm. or whatnot right failure can mean a very huge yeah it can have a huge consequence yeah. to it right yeah. and especially we're talking about the idea of grief and then and a lot of the work you've done. And I'm curious about a lot of that, too. So I'd like to kind of switch to that. The first thing that came to my mind of what you're talking about, though, for me is, it stuck with me. You told me this, is that there is no answer. And 
for me as a therapist, I'm like, okay, that's kind of scary then. It's <laughs> kind of doing the work. It's like, now, and not that there's an answer not in grief work, but there's like maybe more sometimes concrete, from my perspective of work, concrete skills of work. Like right? increased structure in the home and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's not really, I mean, I don't see that helping with the grief necessarily, right? Of like, I don't know. Grief is something I haven't really worked with at all. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious too of like managing the different re- maybe religious beliefs that come in around it mm-hmm. and how do you hold that? Um, because what I've noticed from my parents that I've worked with is uh, religion hasn't really played not heavily into the work I've done. You know, I'm really like, okay, let's manage electronics in the home. I'm going to teach your kid about mindfulness and these things. <laughs> and religion just doesn't really make its way into it. Mm-hmm. But I can see how, obviously, it would in grief. Very dominant. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's a loaded question. I'm going to try to answer <laughs> both. Um, I think to your first portion, I think that um, there are still skills and tools everyone can learn to manage grief. Mm-hmm. Um, grief, I always like to explain, comes in waves, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's such a big wave that it wipes you out and you feel like you're suffocating mm-hmm. and drowning and you can't breathe. And there's just this huge weight on your chest. What do you do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Most people tend to act out in maladaptive, unhealthy ways to cope with pain. Mm. They want to numb, they want to escape, they want to avoid, they want to distract. But you can't do that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that can temporarily help and relieve some of the pain, but it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Grief is lifelong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. Um, and so sometimes the waves comes in medium waves or you're kind of just knocked off a little bit, but you mm-hmm. can regain balance again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the waves are just little where it's like, ah, oh, I miss you. I wish you were here. And mm-hmm. you're reminded of this void in your life this hole Mm -hmm. that's missing and a lot of people try to fill that void in with other things that are really unhealthy so a really good goal is to teach them what is healthy Mm -hmm. what can you do to regulate your emotions what Mm -hmm. are some distress tolerance skills what are some coping skills Mm -hmm. Um, and what are some healthy ways that you can learn to fill in that void with Accepting that that piece will never fit exactly the way it was again. Mm-hmm. It's broken. Mm-hmm. And a piece will never fit perfectly into that mm-hmm. piece again. But you, you can still fill it. Right. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts because that's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Um, it's not something that um, goes away or heals fast. Um, and I think that's one of the most difficult things when working with grief but one of the most empowering things is that i get to hold it with Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we grieve in our own way and we grieve alone Mm -hmm. and we tend to isolate and we really never let anybody in um to help us right and so the beauty about grief is you're not alone and I'm just going to help you hold it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting with you right. because I can't fix it. I can't change it. I can't make it go away. But at least I can sit with you while you experience this and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is so healing, so strengthening, right? That I get to carry some of this with you, for you. Mm-hmm. It probably makes the journey less scary. Yeah. 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 And I think, too, and it kind of reminds me of that my last episode that we are just talking about out there of there not being a solution Mm -hmm. I think takes the pressure off 
putting the pain away Mm -hmm. and getting comfortable with the pain. Because whether it be grief, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, I think now that you said that kind of clicks in my mind of maybe what I would do, because I feel so like incompetent in that area, is the not trying to solve those things right but that's Um, what people struggle with can we sit sit with the discomfort can we sit with this and can we reframe it too right and someone told me that like grief was the reminder of how hard we loved yeah and that could be a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. right and and it's tough right you want to say these different things and not come off as dismissive of the pain right um, so it's not maybe you want to say that, but you want to acknowledge yeah, that it's painful for sure. and that it's not going to go away. I always tell, I'm always so real with people and mm. clients like, it's not going to go away. Yeah. I wish I could say or do something yeah. that will make your pain go away, but it's not. But the best thing I can offer is just to sit with you so you're not alone in this pain. For sure. Which is a lot. Which yeah. is that you're that's not lonely anymore. That is a lot. It's yeah. a lot to offer. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people is that they want to solve it. Right. Right. <laughs> they want to fix it. Pain's got to go away. They want to make it go away. Mm. It's yeah. not. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same thing that happens when families come in. You know, They yeah. just want their kid fixed yeah they just want him to stop for sure hitting stop yelling stop being aggressive stop having tantrums and it's, it's, not, not, it's not just like that mm-hmm. you know you there's, can't just yeah there's a whole homeostasis that go that happens that's, mm-hmm. that's been going on and you got to get in there and just figure out what it is mm-hmm. and then to get to your second part about religion yeah um i think death is one of the most traumatic things that we as human beings can go through that make us question life and what's the purpose of life Mm -hmm. and one of the most strongest faith believers will have doubt now Mm. right Mm -hmm. um what do you mean by that and i think that's a good question um and i think i'll um start off by saying that i work with people of homicide Uh and so there's a difference between anticipated death right versus sudden traumatic death yeah for sure and so when you anticipate a death you can kind of prepare for it but when Mm. something happens so suddenly so violently Mm. usually at the hands of someone else Mm -hmm. you really question why right Mm -hmm. what was the purpose of this Mm -hmm. this violence and how can we make sense of something that's so messed up and unfair Mm -hmm. and that makes you question your higher power or your your faith your your belief system um and so i think it's really challenging to help restore that yeah um but also giving them permission to have doubts yeah that it's valid to question whether Mm -hmm you know, what your belief is. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to kind of lose faith in a little bit because that's valid, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think also exploring, if they do have a belief, what is it? How mm-hmm. can it How can it um, shape their way in making peace with what happened? Yeah. You know? Making yeah. sense of it through that religion yeah. or spiritual belief. Yeah. Yeah. Does that... No, I mean, it seems like a, I think it's a much needed process. I think grief therapy is undervalued because I think it's kind of safe to say, or at least throw this assumption out there, that there's not really space to grieve in society, right? You kind of mm. expected that. You get a couple of days off 
for work and then you get yeah. three and, bereavement right, days you know, yeah it's nothing you go to a funeral and then you're supposed to go back exactly. yeah. and like you're saying these things come in waves and you don't know where the person's at in that and mm-hmm. um, people are holding it in because other people might have an uncomfortable response or don't know how to respond yeah and in Western culture, what 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 really is the uh, the death um, kind of remembering ritual that helps people heal? I don't know if there is a solidified one other than this like this very short period of the mm-hmm. funeral and service, and then it's like I said, back to work, back mm-hmm. to the norm. Yeah. And that's a tough. It is. Yeah. I think things to a... like try to speed through. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think you it's giving them realistic. that space, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you're holding it with them. But you're making it also less scary, and you're allowing them to be... Not okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because when they go to work, they got to put on the face. They have to be okay. Right? Or they have to and pretend w- to be okay. Right. And then when they, you know, go to pick up their kids... They have right? to pretend. Or whatever it is. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's a tough strong. place that... that yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it's like doing the grief work as a therapist. Because yeah. it's something I haven't done. And I appreciate it. And I think it's... It's like I said. I think it's an undervalued kind of uh, service. I like, think Thank it should you. be like pretty. <laughs> I think it's like anyone should go in and getting it. And anyways. Yeah. 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 I think one of the most powerful things just to let you guys know mm-hmm. um, is that usually when a death happens, that trumps everything. Right. The yeah. conversations, your thought process, yeah. and you forget about who they were mm-hmm. when they were alive. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most therapeutic healing parts is rejoicing in the memories mm-hmm. right and allowing yourself because i think when grief happens it's just all negative mm-hmm. that at least when you rejoice in the memories there's both yeah something happy mm-hmm. and sad right mm-hmm. it's a little bittersweet at least but you're not just sad anymore you can right. still remember the happy times yeah. yeah and those moments allow you to kind of hold yeah and carry the sadness you know and to really commemorate on who they were and um yeah and 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 your memories together yeah Yeah. it's good to ask to ask Mm. about what they were like when they were yeah i feel like a lot of times we focus on like what happened Mm -hmm. or how did they go or you know Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful to see people light up or he was the life of the party and he was it's like there you go now you're bringing him in the room with us Mm -hmm. yeah now we can feel his presence here yeah Yeah. now you can still really carry him and hold him with you because now you're really allowing yourself to hold him in your mind Mm -hmm. instead of his death Mm -hmm. yeah right focusing on the the yeah part yeah it's true. Yeah. I like the idea that it's a lifelong thing, too. Because mm-hmm. I think that I kind of maybe redundant on it already, but that it relieves the pressure of the solving of it. Right? And like kind of normalizing that whatever you go through, in regard, whether it's one year from the death, two years, ten years. Fifteen years. Fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. That it's okay to fill it. It's yes. always okay to fill it. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, the, right. the positive reframing right. of that is 15 years later, I still love you mm-hmm. and I still miss you and I still cherish who you were yeah. and what you meant to me. Right. Yeah. That love is still there. Yeah. I haven't forgotten about you. That 15 years later, I still remember you. For sure. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's painful and yes, it's sad, 
but wow, did I love and cherish you. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful. Yeah. And things will come up like throughout life. It could be 15, 20 mm-hmm. years later, like whether it be the birth of a child or mm-hmm. a wedding where you notice that that person's not there and you would have liked them to be. And right. But you can still very... bring them with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, too. The grief of what could be. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Versus hard. the grief of what's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, coming, like, I'm getting married. I wish my so-and-so was here, whomever mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the grief of future memories, because, like, I've had those conversations, too, and that's, you know, that's, that's one once again, there's no, there's no solution for it, right? Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. just kind of sitting and holding with them. All right. And despite those things, of the work you've done being very different, um, I'm definitely interested in hearing about the similarities because that's come up for me. And obviously I've done a lot of different work. But for now, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back and for part two of this conversation. Thank you. part two so we're going to talk about how um even though you guys do very much different work and myself included how it still connects and what are some of the similarities and during the break we talked about judgment being one mm-hmm. um so maybe that's a place we can start because i know from my work and maybe this will help facilitate your thoughts on your work but from my work um it's trying to make or not make Trying to help the parents not feel badly for things going badly. Mm-hmm. And for the kids, because my work has been, right, has been through helping the parents support the kids. For the kids, is helping them not feel badly for feeling badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like being able to be. Like, this is where you're at, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be where everyone expects you to be or where these outside systems are pressuring you to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or even yourself. Right. Internal pressure. I think sometimes a lot of, we put the most pressure on ourselves to try to be somewhere we're not mm-hmm. instead of just being where we are Yeah. and being okay with that even though we're not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a place where we can start is where have you both noticed judgment come up in your work, mm-hmm. even though it's been very different? And how have you addressed it? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of judgment that comes up with parenting. For sure. Um, a lot of pressure. And a lot of it, sadly, is based on how well your kids perform or I behave. Mm-hmm. And that is so much pressure to put on kids. For sure. Um, really so, I mean, a lot of it is really exploring where that's coming from. Um, you know, where, where's the judgment coming from? Is it internal? Is it external? Um, and how does it affect you? How does it affect your family? How does it affect your kids? And really starting with just noticing it, I would say, like, getting awareness around it. And once you're aware of it, you can decide what you want to do with it. But before you're aware of it, it's really hard to make any sorts of changes. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's... I'm just going to piggyback off you. I think... Um... 
I like how neutral you were in your answer of like, let me just notice it and then decide what I want to do with it. And I think my first initial reaction is that judgment is a negative thing because it just puts so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves and then for the kids. So like you said, that's so unfair to put all this pressure on kids to be perfect um, when yeah. they're perfectly imperfect and mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, and so I like, but at the same time, I think your comment made me see that sometimes maybe um, judgment is important to hold us to a certain standard or moral or yeah. integrity or ethics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that can be necessary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I like the neutrality of your comment. And I think it's, how can we find the balance of both? Mm -hmm. How can we find the balance where we don't allow the judgments to pressure ourselves too much, Mm -hmm. but yet still we can operate in a genuine integrity, moral way? Mm -hmm. Um, It can motivate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can motivate. But then also it can... Deteriorate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I think in my line of work, there's judgment and grief, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's certain social expectation of what grief is supposed to look like and how you're supposed to grieve grieve and then there's only a limited amount of time that you're allowed to grieve Mm -hmm. and that's not realistic right um everyone grieves differently in their own way um and you're allowed to grieve in your own way Mm -hmm. um no one has the right to tell you how you should grieve Mm -hmm. and no one has the right to tell you how long you should grieve for Mm -hmm. grief is lifelong Mm -hmm. you will as long as you love that person you will always miss that person Mm -hmm. simple right that's that and for someone to say just just get over it is very insensitive yeah it's hard because if you if you're sad for too long Mm -hmm. that's when people start to say you know wow it's been a year you should really be you know moving on by now people can be really judgmental with grief or if you're not if you don't seem upset you know Mm -hmm. you can hear someone say yeah i didn't see them crying at the funeral yeah exactly yeah Yeah, there's just on either side there's so much judgment about how you should be responding when someone right passes right and i and i think the similarity too with you steph is that how does this impair their functioning yeah you know um and I think, again, it's about finding a healthy balance, that it's okay to give your time space um, to grieve, but then when is it too long where you start impairing your functioning and you're no longer living anymore, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And how can we restore that balance? Yeah, yeah. definitely. What were you going to say? The, it, it relates to the grief that when we get those judgments, like, oh, it's been that long, then it... it in turn almost has the person feeling badly for still feeling sadly or yeah. whatever it is mm-hmm. like oh something must be wrong with me then yeah. so then yeah. that then leads to more depression yeah, right? yeah. And and more shame. like self-loathing and shame, shame yeah. and like i'm not normal because i'm still not over this because mm-hmm. there's these like social expectations about it right and exactly. then and then with the parenting where i've noticed this in a and not that i've worked with the the age of the kids but just the idea of it um, something I started kind of noticing because I worked in the homes all over, right, from uh, in all these different cities, and then what I kind of noticed from different communities is going, you guys are all kind of succumbing. The parents were like succumbing to this pressure, the social pressure, mm-hmm. 
And then I kind of started sitting, naming it for them to say, if I went into every single house, you, I, I almost feel like every parent would say the same thing. And if they just knew each other, mm-hmm. the pressure would almost dissipate. If they knew that everyone was going through very similar yeah. experiences, yeah. Yeah. yeah, even if not similar, just even just just difficult to your parenting because yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you're not alone. But yeah. yeah, but there was this social pressure, and wherever it came from, yeah. it's almost like no one could actually grab at it. It was like it was just inherited in that community, and no one even liked it. No one even liked the expectations that were happening that mm-hmm. they were putting on their kids. Right? We talk about the the idea of performance yeah. of. The parents measuring their success as a parent based on the child's performance. Yeah. Um, versus how their child feels. Yeah. Right? And, and how, how that pressure gets put onto the kid isn't just that they need to perform, but right. also the kids can start to feel so much shame for having an emotional or behavioral reaction to something mm-hmm. that they don't even understand. So, like, if a child is hitting and they don't want to be hitting, yeah. It's something that it, something happens where they lose control, they get mm-hmm. a lot of anger. And they don't really know how else to respond. And a lot of times it comes from being scared or overwhelmed or frustrated. Mm-hmm. And they then feel shame themselves for reacting that way. Which is a normal feeling. Which is normal. Mm-hmm. Which is normal. But, you know, sometimes rather than helping the child work out where it comes from, why are they doing it, what other options are there, what can you do besides hit, they just get a... You shouldn't be doing that. Yep. That's not okay. We don't hit in this family. Mm-hmm. Go to your room. Yep. You know, there's no process. There's no conversation. It's just shame. Mm-hmm. And dis- I disappointed my parents again. I'm a failure. I'm bad. Which is super parallel to what the parents are feeling. Right. You know, right. My, my child is messing up. I'm a bad parent. I'm bad. Yep. I can't do this. Yep. Right. And yep. so everyone is feeling this parallel shame. Yep. Yeah. Which is so sad. I know. It is. Yeah. It's hard. It yeah. Is hard. So then the bigger question is, then how... Are you guys helping the parents feel less judged then? Because maybe we're not directly asking them, but the reason we're there is for change, mm-hmm. right? That's the only reason people seek therapy. Yeah. It's for some sort of change or difference in their life. So how do you help remove that judgment? That's a tough question. I can start it off if you want to like help you guys think about I, it. I, That's I can answer a, that. No, go for it. Yeah, I think <laughs> the first thing is really giving them permission to give themselves permission Yeah. to not be okay. Mm-hmm. To realize there are flawed and perfect mm-hmm. human beings and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That we aren't made to be perfect Mm -hmm. but that's not realistic that's not something um yeah that's not something that's something we can aim for and strive to be but it's never like a a goal that we can actually obtain Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. in the paradox kind of way it's like you can try to be perfect and aim to be perfect but then realize you're not and that's okay but i'm still gonna try to be even though i never won't be (laughs) which is kind of weird yeah right it's very contradicting um and i think just really teaching that and i think lowering expectations i think really giving normalcy and validation to the human experience Mm -hmm. that we as human uh, will make mistakes Mm -hmm. and won't get things right away but that does not define us it does not mean that we are a failure 
you know mm-hmm. um and failure is always just an opportunity for growth to learn for sure you know um and really just teaching them those things which then helps them learn to be more compassionate and forgiving and understanding towards themselves mm-hmm. um and helping them not feel alone in that again i think sometimes our society specifically has isolated um us within each other and we they've the society's created such a huge disconnection from one another you know that we feel so alone and we feel so isolated and to really just help them feel more connected with our flaws and imperfections yeah yeah Yeah. my new mantra is flaunt your flaws Mm -hmm. if you flaunt your flaws you give other permission to other people permission to do the same yeah and you hold it with confidence mm-hmm. you yeah. know like i'd be walking around hiding our flaws and pretending we're all perfect you're right, right. Yeah, it's true yeah flaunt your flaws <laughs> i like that yeah. it's a good way to think about it yeah i yeah. mean i i want to say that like once you get past all the fear and the shame mm-hmm. and the the judgment and you really can just in a in a place mm-hmm. of calm reflection just think about what's happening where does it come from and you know what's contributing to this what's worked what hasn't worked Mm -hmm. what what makes things more difficult um finding patterns once you can get to a place where you can actually think about all these things and you're not so angry that you can't even process Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know you lower some of that some of that initial anger and frustration a lot of times the parents have the they really have the answers mm-hmm. yes all the tools yeah everybody has all the tools and the capacity inside themselves mm-hmm. yes yeah. it's really just a question of finding it and figuring mm-hmm. it out and talking through it and mm-hmm. you know the aha moments come when you're explaining that you know you've noticed that um you know your child doesn't sleep on the weekends and then you notice that you know on the weekends is when something is happening and you find that pattern and you're like oh wow okay you know maybe it's not that he just doesn't want to go to bed maybe it's that there's something that's happening on the weekends mm-hmm. that is making it difficult for him to go to bed and what if i just talk to him about that mm-hmm. or what if i just make that thing go away so he's not scared to go to bed mm-hmm. um you know you, you can find some answers if you start thinking about it yeah it's hard to take the time to sit down and think and reflect through a situation yeah you know, it takes time. For sure. Hard part. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And it's but it's possible. To, it is. It's helpful to be asked questions, too. To, to, to increase your insight and your reflective capacity around the, the subject. Uh, that's really the foundation of our job, right? Or a big part of it. Because we can only learn so much from our own experience. And then you get someone else across the room from you asking, asking you questions that you might not ask yourself. Yeah. And you go, wow, I've never thought of that question before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It broadens perspective, right? Yeah. In a past episode, I talked about the broader our perspective, right? Then the broader our set of solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, that's what... Yeah. And that's why therapy exists, right? So that we can kind of become more flexible and... Mm-hmm. Expand it, our And minds. expand our mindset, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, the way I've kind of gotten to that point of helping people, uh, parents feel less judged is related to what you're saying is the idea of integration but of like helping that parent understand that where they're at right now makes perfect sense from their story Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be doing what you're doing right now 
anyone else would be doing the same thing. Yeah. And that we can still make it better, right? And the fact that they're tired of the behavior is a good thing because mm-hmm. it means they care. Yeah. And then I build upon that strength, right? Yeah. Good. Let's go from there then. I'd be mad at your kid too right now if he's mine, right? And we can make it better. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, let's not say blame, but also let's empower you to take responsibility too. Mm-hmm. And not in a bad sense, but like in an, empowers, in an, in an empowering sense. Yeah. Totally. And saying anyone else in your situation will probably be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. Yeah. Yes. And I like what you said, Steph, about like notice patterns, what worked, what mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to figure out what you don't want mm-hmm. before you can recognize what you do want. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what doesn't work before you finally realize what does work. Yeah. And so the mistakes then aren't necessarily failures. Mm-hmm. They're all lessons yeah. of sure. what didn't work. Yep. You tried them and you yeah. tried it. maybe it didn't work. Yeah, like would it, Thomas Edison... When he was asked, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? He's like, I didn't fail a thousand times. I learned a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Which is exactly. true. It's like the best positive reframe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And I think that's, um, yeah, important. Yeah, and sometimes people don't give themselves enough credit for all mm-hmm. the things that they've tried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just see them as failures, but... You put so much effort and you, you figured out that those things don't work. So what else should we try now? Yeah, and you keep trying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that they should be recognized or acknowledged mm-hmm. for attempting, for at least mm-hmm. trying, trying to figure it out, trying to find solutions. That's what we're all doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and throughout throughout this entire process of trying to, to think about it, reflect on it, and find solutions, like I feel like one of the most important things is having a narrative. Yeah. Like, what am I doing right now? What are we doing as a family? Mm-hmm. Being able to say to your child and, you know, the family, like, we've noticed that there are certain behaviors that are coming up. We're not sure where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because this happened to you. Maybe it's because of that. Maybe it's because of something else. Mm-hmm. But here we are together and we're all working on it. We're all trying to figure this out together. And this is a safe space where we can talk about this mm-hmm. and think about it. Just giving that context. It's like it, it opens up. The conversation it allows people in the family to feel comfortable participating yeah. to just say it yeah and know what that they're doing talk yeah that talking it out yeah in itself can be healing yes to acknowledge things and say things out loud be that you've permission been ke- and giving yourself permission instead of keeping it inside yeah right? well because what happens there right is that everyone creates their own personal narrative and yep. they react off that narrative exactly and then that's where conflicts start to grow yep mm-hmm. so you make a cohesive narrative yeah. that all the family can be a part of yeah and you give kids permission to say i heard you yelling the other night and it made me so scared yeah and then i couldn't sleep and then i had a really bad day at school and then i hit somebody yeah you know can a child go through that and yeah. say it and it be okay right yeah you know yeah. And then once that narrative comes out, right, mm-hmm. now you have a baseline to work with mm-hmm. to create new narratives. Yeah. yeah. But if it ever comes out, then the narrative remains the same yes. until it is challenged. Yeah. Yes. And it can only be challenged or, not even challenged, I mean that in a positive sense of like, how do we now reframe this and create a new one? Mm-hmm. Um, but it can only be redeveloped or grown if it's given the space mm-hmm. to do so. Yeah. Right? So if us three all went through it, let's say, a 
traumatic loss together, mm-hmm. right? And none of us talked about it. Mm-hmm. And then I sat here and go, well, Stephanie, she had this look on her face. So she doesn't care. So now I can't trust her anymore, right? And I start to build a narrative off this assumption. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, Sandy's laughing. Oh, my God. What does that mean? Yeah, right. right? Versus just asking the question, creating the space for it. This is how I experience it. How did you experience it? Mm-hmm. How did you experience it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If not, we, we create the story based on our own assumptions. Yeah. And it usually leads us to more conflict and trouble. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we're not mind readers. But no. yet we try to pretend like we are. Yeah. yeah we're, we're good at <laughs> acting like it. Mm-hmm. But we're bad at, at actually being true. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. We gotta listen to each other. We gotta we gotta open up space to feel not judged. Yeah. To feel like you can say what you think and feel, and all emotions are okay. Yes. It's okay to be angry. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. You know. Totally. Not like oh you're angry you're sad like let's mm-hmm. fix that let's put the music on let's put the yes. TV let's on ignore it. Yeah. yeah put the TV on let's oh let me put this little you know new toy yeah you know, let's distract you from the negative feelings you know. Right. And the thing is, it all passes. Yeah. You know, I think that's also another important point to make is that all of these emotions are temporary. Right. Um, They're not permanent. It all passes. Very important. You know, that just because you're feeling angry right now doesn't mean it's not going to go away. Right. Just because you're feeling sad right now doesn't mean it's not going to go away. Right. But it also doesn't mean it won't come back either. For sure. Very important. Yeah, there is a really cool mantra. It's... Breathe out the pain, savor the happiness, mm. because all of it passes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Something I've been saying lately uh, in, in treatment related to that, too, is that the more you fear the feeling, the longer the feeling lasts. Yes. And the bigger then it grows. Yes. Right? Because what happens is we get this feeling of discomfort or what can happen I say this always happens but what can happen is we have this feeling of discomfort whether it be grief or any sort of internal pain it could be depression it could be anxiety and then we attempt to control it I gotta get rid of it now yeah let's avoid it if you're a parent right let's get rid of it let's I uh, don't know no, you're not you're not you're not mad at that you you don't know what happened son right let's just get it out of here mm-hmm. because we don't want to deal with that discomfort yeah mm-hmm. But then it just stays and it lingers and it grows, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus it's going, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Let me sit with it until it can pass, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And how I kind of phrase it to, well, in my work, is the, it, sometimes it seems weird. But if you imagine like a river flowing by, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then you put your hand in the river. And then you have a bucket in your other hand. And that's controlling your emotions, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you can you get to control your emotions in your head if you think you can grab this water and fill up this bucket. Mm-hmm. Once I can do that, everything will be fine. Every, right? Mm. But every time you go for a handful, by the time you throw in the bucket, that water's gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Ah. Now, the river changes, right? Sometimes it's colder, sometimes it's warmer, sometimes it's flowing fast, sometimes it's slow, mm-hmm. sometimes it's still, right? Mm-hmm. But it changes. So all you really get to do is feel it mm-hmm. and get used to it and observe its change mm-hmm. and not fear its change. So if you think of a, a flowing river as your emotional state, yeah. that you can't you can't control that flow of that water, you can't control the temperature. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you can't control what's in it, but you can fill it and let mm-hmm. it be. Yeah. If you try to control it, try to remove it from that state, you will always come up empty-handed yeah. yes i like that I like so that. i've used kind of the same yeah. river That's analogy cool. in the sense that our feelings and our emotions like a flowing river right but that doesn't mean you have to jump in it mm. and allow it to take you right. under that's true you get to stay on the riverbank yeah. and watch it flow uh-huh. and pass on by yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. You get to see the river come, Mm -hmm. you look at it, you acknowledge it, and then it keeps on going. It moves. Maybe reflect a little bit while you're watching. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it a little bit. Where did it come from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like the river. But but also with Guy's analogy to, to kind of, you know, utilize that. Let me let me feel, let it be yeah. the changes in it, but let me not try to control it. Right. You know, cuz I think sometimes we allow our emotions to wipe us mm-hmm. yeah. a lot and we jump in the current with yeah, it. They're so overwhelming. Yeah. But we don't have to. Well, your work with grief, right? Your work with helping these families come uh, overcome maybe a family trauma and some parental guilt and then me even working with that kind of parental good or the the uh, kind of parental hopelessness or helplessness of like I have never seen this behavior much I don't know what to do mm-hmm. is they want a solution now we talked about it earlier right boom let's fix it yeah. and I'm kind of always then reframing is there is no solution right it's about feeling it managing it being with it mm-hmm. being consistent mm-hmm. right allowing new behaviors develop as the parent, as the adult, to provide a new space for the, the, the child to create new behaviors. Mm-hmm. If we're talking in terms of parent-child relationship, if it, you're the adult yourself, allowing you the space to be with the discomfort, mm-hmm. to not need to solve it immediately. Yeah. Can you sit with the discomfort? I had a, a quote in a, lot, a few episodes ago, and I say it in my, my job a lot, is that Growth sacrifices comfortability, and comfortability sacrifices growth. So I bring that to treatment a lot of reminding people, right? If mm-hmm. if you want to get past this, right, it's about being able to stick with that discomfort. Yeah. Yes. And then you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and grow. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's not about, like, do this, and your problems are gone. Right. No, 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 no. No, no, problems don't go away. It's not that easy. <laughs> Feelings don't go away. Yeah. They, they're going to exist. Yeah. But just be with them. Yeah. And, Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and be kind to yourself in the process. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Compassion for yourself. Exactly. And patient mm-hmm. and forgiving and understanding. Yeah. We're all trying our best. We yeah. really are. At any given moment, everyone is trying their best. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't turn out like we want. Yeah. But we're trying our best. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, this seems like a natural point, I think. I think so. Um, I'd like to end then with a one takeaway. Okay. And I can start to model it. <laughs> but my big takeaway then from this conversation is kind of what you just said, of be kind to yourself, but also allowing those other people that are different from you to have their journey mm-hmm. as the way it is, even if it's different from yours. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so letting go of the expectations of, hey, I grieve this way and it worked for me. You know, I grieve this way and it worked for me. And this is what they need to do too, right? No, like, let go of that. Your journey is your journey. Theirs is theirs. Mm-hmm. Same with parenting, right? Your journey as a parent is yours. Let someone else's be theirs. Don't judge them for it. Uh, try to be understanding and compassionate mm-hmm. with yourself and with others. Mm-hmm. And 
then hopefully, you know, this social pressure will dissipate a bit. So parents aren't like taking that pressure on and then putting it to their kids and the cycle just keeps continuing. And yeah. you know, we know where that kind of leads, increased depression, increased anxiety, and so forth. So that's my big takeaway. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to add to that. Yeah. Um, just that I want people to know that we are limited in the amount of compassion we can show others mm-hmm. by the amount of compassion we have towards ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be more compassionate towards others, you have to start being more compassionate towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why it's so easy to judge others is because we're judging ourselves. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I just want to put that yeah. Thank you for <laughs> opening up this awesome conversation and heard the really good questions yeah made me think a lot I learned a lot yeah thank you yeah I think my takeaway is that um it's okay not to be okay right and Mm -hmm. it's okay to be imperfect Uh it doesn't define who we are it just makes us human yeah and I think it's that simple and I think that it's important to make mistakes so that we can learn and grow um and that discomfort is okay mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> yeah and thanks guy thanks right. for having us <laughs> well thank this you this was fun yeah this was fun <laughs> thank you so much for being on Therapy's podcast it's fun to say that at the end and I hope to talk to you soon on here oh yeah okay bye okay. thank you bye <laughs> talk to you next time Brand.